What if I told you that there's a cure for chronic pain? Yes, for that pain you were told you would just have to manage. And what if I told you that that cure is already inside of you? Would you believe me? Welcome to the Let's Talk Mind Body Healing podcast, where we talk about how to truly alleviate chronic suffering. Welcome to the Let's Talk Mind Body Healing podcast. I'm your host, Felicia Jaramus, and I'm really pleased to be here with you for episode number 18. Wow, um, 18 episodes in already. So in this episode, I speak with Sarah Darkeely, who is a therapist who works in this space, and she brings an absolutely amazing, incredible wealth of knowledge. Uh, And this episode is really quite a deep one. And we touch on quite a broad range of topics, including things like stress, what causes stress, reflecting on your values and how to live a life led by values and not led by your symptoms and related to that kind of finding your authentic self. Also a little bit on neuroplasticity, the nervous system. So it's it's quite, it's a big one. Um, and I really enjoyed talking to Sarah and just her just really deep knowledge of everything in this space was pretty incredible for me and so I'm confident that you're going to get a lot out of it but just before we get started sort of go into the episode I wanted to talk a little bit about something that I'm finding really quite powerful in my life at the moment so last month I talked a little bit about relaxing your body consciously this month I want to talk a little bit about working with the mind So something that I'm finding really helpful is just this sort of concept of reframing. Reframing a situation, reframing your thoughts. And the example I'm going to give you is my son is waking up a lot in the middle of the night at the moment. Uh, We're currently going through what they call the four-month regression or if you want to say that, he was sleeping brilliantly, four months hit and now we're not sleeping at all. And I was finding it a little bit upsetting a little bit frustrating and there was one night there where I think I was woken up for maybe the sixth or seventh time that night and I felt myself kind of just boiling over really angry and I stopped and I thought to myself you know what am I angry at right now he's doing the best he can and just that simple reframing of the situation of he's doing the best he can has been unbelievably helpful And it's really taken all of the kind of anger or frustration or whatever out of it. And I've really just been able to kind of go with the flow of what's happening more now. To be able to just really respond to him really gently all night. Um, And I think maybe you probably just heard him in the background there. Um, Yuri's got him at the moment. Um, And yeah, so is there a situation in your life that maybe you could use a little reframing that if you reframed it a little because could it take the frustration out of it for you or could it take the anger out of it for you is there something you know that's just happened in your day that maybe if you had have looked at it a slightly different way it would have felt easier for you um so i'll leave that one with you as something to to think about um and yeah, oh, and there's one thing I keep forgetting to do. I keep forgetting to let people know to, um, if you're liking the podcast, please uh, rate and review it wherever you listen 
or give me a review on Facebook. So you can follow my social media channels on Facebook or Instagram. So that's at Let's Talk Mind Body Healing. I always forget to do that part. Um, and then, yeah, so I'm going to go on to my disclaimer and then we will go on to the episode. So enjoy. I am a provisional psychologist with my PhD or my doctorate in education, but I'm not a medical doctor. So all of the content that I provide about mind-body healing in any medium, including but not limited to this podcast and my social media channels, is for informational purposes only. No content provided by me is intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice. The purpose is to promote broad understanding and knowledge of various health topics. If you choose to use any information provided by me, you do so solely at your own risk. Always seek the guidance of your doctor or other qualified health professional with any questions you may have regarding your health or medical condition. Do not embark on a mind-body healing journey until you have the clearance from your healthcare practitioner to do so, until you have discussed how to apply mind-body healing to your own individual case. The methods discussed by guests on the show are not necessarily endorsed by me. Welcome to the Let's Talk Mind Body Healing podcast. I'm your host, Felicia Jaramus, and today I'm here with Sarah Dakili, who has quite an impressive bio, I must say. Uh, so Sarah is a psychotherapist, mental health social worker, art therapist, artist and writer. And she's also the practice manager at Mental Awakening, which is a holistic psychotherapeutic and psychological private practice that specializes in mind-body related issues, pain reprocessing therapy, Tension myositis syndrome or TMS, we often call it on the podcast, chronic pain recovery and more. And she is um, a fellow Australian. Uh, so thank you so much, Sarah, for joining me here today. Thank you for having me, Felicia. It's lovely to be here. Yeah, so thank you. Um, but just before we get started, I just want to apologize in advance to the listeners and also to Sarah. Um, my head's been a bit out of this space for the last few months. I haven't recorded anything since December um, because I've had a baby. Um, and saying that, I also haven't slept in four months. <laughs> so I thought I was sleep deprived over the years that I had TMS induced insomnia, but it wasn't even close to um, how I'm feeling now. But I'm sure we'll have a good conversation nonetheless. I'm sure we will. I'm sure we will. <laughs> so just to begin, Sarah. I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about yourself um, and how you got into working in the mind-body chronic pain sort of space. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I I would say like many other people who work in this field, uh, I went through um, quite a few different mind-body related issues myself. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, looking back since childhood, really, um, starting with everything from... um, stomach and IBS related issues that I had all throughout my childhood, acid reflux. Um, And then once I got into my teenage years, um, I developed an eating disorder and an anxiety disorder. And, um, you know, as an adult, there's been other things, you know, such as back pain, chronic back pain, chronic neck pain, um, 
vertigo, um, and a whole bunch of other, you know, mind-body issues, health issues that have been chronic. And it was just something that really caught my attention. Why, you know, why I was going through what I was going through, why I was in pain. And I just wanted to find out more. And it wasn't like I was actively looking for information. It pretty much um, came to me in many ways, you know, it was like uh, a blessing in disguise. It was a miracle that I was introduced to um, TMS and Dr. Sano's work. And then from there, I decided to further um, deepen my research and my training and so on. And I'm really glad to be working in this area because we just, there's a shortage of, I believe, uh, therapists or even uh, information, yeah. um, particularly here in Australia. I, I find yeah. that we're a lot more behind here than the, in the US or North America in general, or even Europe. And so, um, yeah, I'm actually really happy to be working in this field now. It's just you're constantly learning and and there's so many people in need of this kind of support. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. I actually barely ever have Australians on this podcast because it's just barely any people doing it. So I was really excited when I um, <laughs> across you. <laughs> so. Well, um, I'm not originally an Aussie. I'm, I'm, I'm now finally an Aussie and I'm an Australian citizen. But I Well done. Congratulations, I should say. <laughs> Thank you. But I, I do have a multicultural background myself and I migrated to Australia about, what is it now? I think about 16, 17 years ago. Mm. So it's been a long time. But um, I think a lot of it is um, due to our educational system. A lot of, I mean, even to this day, the medical system and, um, you know, people who are at the moment currently studying medicine are not being really taught about the impact of trauma. They're not being taught about mind-body issues. They're not being taught about the nervous system. And these are all important topics. Um, and so if, you know, the future generation of medical professionals are not being taught about these topics, then um, yeah, we're not we're we're kind of not heading down the right path. I believe I think we definitely need a lot more awareness and a lot more um, just um, I guess information and yeah, spreading the word about it. It's really important. Mm, yeah, certainly I agree with you. It's the kind of new generation of practitioners are not learning about it at all, and it's really quite. Um, saddening I think because mm -hmm. this is this is where people really do get help um, yeah because a lot of my clients that I work with on top of the trauma that they've experienced from childhood and other things that have happened in their lives um, there's also this additional medical trauma that they've been yeah. through because of you know kind of having to go from one test to another, one professional, one medical professional to another and not really getting anywhere. And some of them have had really invasive procedures that have caused, um, I guess, a further dysregulation um, of the nervous system, you know, just worsening the situation even more. It just increases that fear. And often it just like, I myself, I had so many procedures which left me in more pain because I was left in like more fear of my body and fear of yeah absolutely 
Yes. And so when you already have a dysregulated nervous system and you haven't had time to repair, right? You haven't had enough time spent in that um, parasympathetic state, then um, the last thing you need is more stress, right? Mm -hmm. So it's... um, it's it's a little bit concerning if not a lot what's happening um i guess in our medical system today but hopefully um you know as time goes and i believe that it is more and more people are starting to get introduced to to this information they're starting to seek this information and that's what it's all about mm. yeah definitely so something you said before is talking about um you know, the sort of people, the sort of clients you see. And I guess one of the things a lot of people struggle with when they're coming into this space, when you've been raised, you know, in a place like Australia where it's very Mm -hmm. much focused on the body and focused on, you know, the sort of conventional medical treatment is kind of believing this sort of work. Mm -hmm. So who would you kind of say is suitable? Who do you work with? Who benefits from this work? I would say pretty much everyone benefits from this work. Yeah. It's um, It really depends on the individual and how open they are. And sometimes it's not until there's been, um, I guess, enough um, challenges in the sense that, you know, you go through um, different professionals and you get to a point where you become humble enough due to the suffering you've been through, due to the pain that you've been through, that you open yourself up to this information. And those people are actually much um, less resistant to this work, which means that they end up benefiting from what we're doing. Whereas people who have a lot more resistance, a lot more doubt, who tend to listen to other people who um, are not yet convinced that they do have a mind-body condition, it takes much longer for them to recover and um, there's a lot more resistance you know just in general mm, yeah I had a lot of resistance when I went through it certainly um, but I think you know, I would agree that everyone <laughs> would benefit from this work absolutely absolutely and if everyone I work with um, teenagers uh, people you know in their 20s and their 30s 40s 50s 60s so you can't really discriminate it it would benefit anyone as long as they're open to this work as long as they do really want um, to understand themselves understand the nature of their mind and their body the conditioning that you know um, has taken place as well as their past, their trauma, some of the things that we do anything and everything to avoid <laughs> um, to really face those things can be incredibly hard and confronting and yet so rewarding. Uh, it is incredibly hard. Some of the hardest work I think you'll ever do, but also absolutely. So it takes courage. Um, I guess I would say anyone with courage, <laughs> this work benefits anyone with courage and I believe we all have that um I think so too yeah um so I guess a client comes to you first session sits down and says all right well why am I in pain what do you say well the first thing I do is I make an assessment which is what that initial session is for Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of the questions I ask them are based on Dr. Howard Schubiner's work, as well as Dr. Sana's work. 
Um, so that's, you know, an assessment um, about what's happening for them. You know, I ask them about other symptoms that they're experiencing in their body, do a comprehensive check as to what's going on for them um, in general and what some of the causes um, of their stress are. So whether that's um, physical, other physical issues that may be happening in the body. So sometimes they come and say, well, I've got chronic back pain, let's say, or I've got a chronic um, chronic migraines, or I've got um, fibromyalgia. Well, we need to actually look at what other stuff are going on there. Do you have other symptoms like uh, how's your sleep? How's your um, you know diet? Um, so I make sure that I ask questions about their life and their lifestyle and also what the different causes of stress are for them, both current stresses as well as past stresses. So we dive into their background, their childhood, um, everything from you know, asking them to describe their parents for me and their perception of their parents. Um, and sometimes it's hard for people to remember. And that also gives me insight as to yeah. how, you know, how much they have kind of, uh, uh, I guess, dis dissociated from their childhood and some of the memories of their childhood. Because it's actually not normal for us to not remember our childhood. And it's also not normal to think that we had a great childhood because <laughs> a lot of stuff happens for everybody. And mm. um, often it's it's the not wanting to remember. And so we talk a lot about the environment that they grew up in, which is usually what contributes to um, how your nervous system, I guess, is shaped. <laughs> your environment really impacts your nervous system and their current um, profession you know what they do for work um, if they're working and um, some of the other challenges that they may be faced with in terms of their relationships and they're also their relationship with themselves so there's a lot of different factors that you have to take into consideration to really explain why someone's in pain and a lot of it comes down to the level of stress that they're in yeah. or how they interpret stress. Because sometimes some of the things that are happening may not necessarily be that difficult to deal with. But if your, you know, if your brain or your nervous system is already dysregulated, which it is for most people, and I'm referring to chronic dysregulation, then it's harder for you to build resilience towards stress right? Mm -hmm. It's harder for you to manage stress. So even the tiniest little things can be perceived as stressful and threatening. And so we always start with, you know, well, I always start with helping the client to understand what's going on for them. And that will usually answer the question of why they're in pain. Yeah, I think you've just put together such a really comprehensive list there thinking about, you know, current stresses past stresses current occupations relationships yes and personality traits which is another one which yeah, is a big one. you know a, a really big crucial one and Dr. Sana talked about it Dr. Howard Schumann talked about this personality traits that are universal um, are a big source of stress for us as well mm. So, you know, everything from um, being a people pleaser, right? Um, 
difficulty implementing boundaries, which is the majority of people with mind-body related issues really struggle with boundaries. They either struggle to respect other people's boundaries or implement their own boundaries. And, and sometimes it's both, right? Mm -hmm. And it's because, um, you know, they haven't had that healthy modeling um, behavior, I guess, since childhood, most of us haven't. And these are the things that we're becoming more conscious of on a cultural level. It's happening very slowly again, especially over here, but it's it's nevertheless happening. But things like perfectionism, you know, being self-critical, um, constant comparison with others, feeling guilty all the time, you know, um, needing to excel, not just achieve, worrying a lot about what could go wrong, um, just difficulty with... Um, not knowing when to let go, you know, just carrying that strong sense of responsibility for everything and prioritizing the well-being of everyone else, including your own pet, right, <laughs> over one's own needs. Um, and often it's people who are quite accomplished or it could be the opposite, that there is a deep-seated feeling of inferiority, you know, stemming from low self-esteem and fear of... Um, going after what you really want to do in life um, and kind of hiding your light. And there's a deep-seated belief that nothing you do is ever enough or good enough. So there's a, these are, you know, pretty powerful personality traits, right? And behaviors and habits that impact our stress levels. Um, someone who's incredibly competitive, and determined to get ahead, but very critical of themselves, and someone who's excessively hardworking. And when these things become the norm or they become so-called normal for someone, they, it's hard for them to see what they're doing, right? Or if it's normal in their environment to be this way, or if people within their family um, are that way inclined as well, or that's what's been modeled to them, then it's really hard for them to be any other way. Yeah, it's interesting because a lot of these things are really culturally normal. Yeah. You know, needing to excel and not just achieve. That starts right from schooling where, you know, top of the class. Yeah. yeah. And and another one that I commonly see in people with, um, well, I'm not going to say with what symptom because I, I prefer to just um, not put anyone in a box. But mm. what I see commonly is that um, there's also this victim mentality. Mm. Um, it's like um, it, it's a really big hindrance when it comes to recovery. This victim mentality that really, might, you know, very much stems from this, I'm not good enough or, you know, look at what's happened to me or look at what's happening to my body. And what if, you know, I don't think this is going to uh, heal or recover oh, yeah mine was my body is broken <laughs> that's yeah. how I felt like my like why did I get stuck in this body <laughs> exactly that's it that's it and these are belief systems that don't serve us right so it's really about using those initial sessions to help people become conscious of their limit you know limited ways of being and thinking and then working on um, slowly changing them right and working with them meeting them where they are as opposed to this um traditional uh you know 
some of the traditional psychological theories, such as positive psychology, where you just want people to snap out of it. Uh, I don't believe that works. No, I don't think so either. And um, if it does, it doesn't really last. Mm. So I really believe in supporting the individual to create safety from within. Safety from within themselves, not just safety in terms of their environment, but the environment that's within you. And becoming aware of that, you know, what is happening in my body? What is happening in my mind? And again, when you first start to do this work, it's so confronting. It's it's not easy. Um, and, you know, I would say majority of my clients uh, are incredible, incredible humans, incredibly brave, and they want to do this work because they usually when they come to me or by the time they come to me, they've tried everything else. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You know, there's always the occasional person, that, you know, or people who just kind of go, no, this is too much for me. And you just have to accept that that's where they're at. Mm. And um, and that's okay too, you know. But I think often you go, no, this is too much. And then it might be five, 10 years later, you come back to it and you go, okay, I'm ready now. I think it just. Exactly. There's a exactly. certain readiness. I mean, you know, whatever happens, um, I'm okay with it. Because I know that there's been a seed that's been planted and however yeah. long that takes for that seed to grow, that's none of my business, right? Everyone's got their own timing. Everyone's on their own journey. And um, my only job is to support them when they're ready and to act as a mirror and to show them what's going on and to give them the tools and the strategies that, you know, are helpful and um, can really keep, you know, help them stay on this path and, and um, see results, you know? one of the things I like I really like that you said that I was um developing safety from within themselves yes yes that's it's such a beautiful concept and yet so hard to do right <laughs> yeah it is and I think that's something that that is what is missing from traditional healthcare. very much so I think a lot of times it's just we we have forgotten the energetic and the spiritual component of what it means to be human, right? Mm -hmm. What it means to be a human being. We think that there's only flesh and bones and that's it, but there's so much more to us. I mean, if you open up a dead corpse, there's nothing there but flesh and bones, right? That life force is no longer there. So there is something else to us. There is that energetic system, that life force that runs through us. And so we have to honor that. We have to respect that. We have to take that into consideration. Yeah, it's funny because like they have the concept of a life force in almost every other culture and we just don't in the West very, very much. Yes, yes. Unfortunately, we're a bit more behind. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I but, would say so. But again, you know, um, I always believe that contrast leads to expansion. So the more that I see people um, are struggling with these issues, um, it kind of also reassures me that we're on the on the right path if you know what I mean because that means that more and more people are opening themselves up to this kind of information and this kind of healing yeah kind of growth right which is what we need we are the more and more people I think are, are starting to like open mm. up to it and I think it's um interesting what you said there about you know just meeting people where they're at and it's not your job to convince people yeah, that one, that one took me a while to come around to, but now I'm very much like, 
you know, everyone is on, on their own journey. It's their own timeline. And all you can do is just like meet them where they are. Yes, meet them where they are. Often when people say, you know, um, why am I in pain? And um, whether they're unconscious or new to the mind-body world, there is this confusion as to what's happening in their body, right? Yes. And often they think that it's a structural issue. And sometimes yes. there is, right? There are structural things happen, absolutely. Um, but the main question I get within those initial sessions is, why can't I fix this? Why isn't this going away? I want this gone, you know? It's it's completely natural to want to get rid of something unwanted, painful, uncomfortable, and so on within your body. We do this even with our emotions. Mm-hmm. However, our sadness is an energy, right? That we, or our anger or pain, whatever, is an energy that we discharge in order to heal. So sadness is painful. We try to avoid it. But actually, discharging sadness releases the energy involved in our emotional pain. To hold it in is to freeze the pain within us. And the um, therapeutic slogan for this is that grieving is the healing feeling, or or in other words, you have to feel it to heal it. Yeah, I've heard that one a few times on here. <laughs> yes, yes. So um, I really believe in the concept of learning to embrace the um, unease and the unrest that shows up for us. Um, And this is one of the main challenges in healing is the practice of being with what is showing up, getting curious about it and doing our best to feel it. There's immense strength that's gained from facing what's difficult. This is how we build resilience. This is how we build self-trust. And in my own journey um, with trauma and chronic pain, which I write a bit about in in my book, Coming to Life, Um, you know, both as a child and as as an adult, um, this trauma has led to so much of this conditioning, you know, of all kinds of unrest within the mind and the body. And if we ignore unrest, then our body doesn't know that it's safe. And we end up escaping the discomfort with defensive thoughts and behaviors And if you keep avoiding what you feel, your body can't discover the things that, um, I guess, um, the things that it really needs to feel safe, to feel, you know, that everything is okay, to feel that sense of ease. Mm. And obviously the opposite of ease is what? Dis-ease, right? Which is what often leads to disease. So I think embracing um, what's coming up is a big part of this work in my experience with people and encouraging them to do that. Um, um, Just also reminding them that we grow um, the ability to tolerate painful feelings and face difficult things, whether it's anger or grief or whatever the case may be. And I really think grief is something we live with constantly. We're always grieving something, whether it's... um, losing someone or or aging or not having the life that you thought you you know that you really wanted or whatever the case may be right and even just life not turning out the way you thought it would right the way yeah. you expected it would and so the strength we gain from facing these feelings allow us to address 
so many things, right? And I believe that it's through facing the triggers, facing the things that are showing up, facing the pain, that you can find that space of um, safety and build yeah. a sense of safety from within. It's interesting because you just talked about your book, the title of your book, Coming to Life. Um, yes. That title really does sum up what this process felt like for me. Are you able to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. Um, it, it's it's funny because when I first chose that title, I thought, why am I choosing this title? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then... Um, Towards the end of the book, I realized that it's because in a way it helped me come alive again, right? Mm. It helped me learn, well, my journey that is so far to meet life um, as it is, right? To meet life as I am and, and to actually still be okay, no matter what's showing up, to kind of be like, it's all good life bring it on, you know, I'm coming to meet you, right? I'm, I'm, I'm in a way also reborn repeatedly. So that's kind of what it represents for me. Mm-hmm. It's the constant discovery of yourself. It's the constant meeting of life. It's the constant rebirthing. Yeah, I really like that. That's really, really lovely. Thank I you. Think, um, as you were saying, like being becoming comfortable with discomfort and uncertainty, it is it's like a little bit like a superpower. It helps you, you know, meet life as it is without all that fear and worry. Yeah, absolutely. And look, this is difficult because we have this conditioned self, right? Mm-hmm. And as we start doing this work, um, you're kind of meant to get to a place of meeting that authentic self. And recognizing that your personality is not permanent, that the personality that you have and the conditioning served a purpose and the purpose was to keep you safe, right? To help you cope. But it's a, it's a false sense of safety. And a lot of that doesn't serve you anymore because a big part of your emotional psyche has been driven by this inner child part of you that interpreted life Um, in a very limited way with its limited perception and as an adult you you can't do that anymore right you need to become more emotionally mature (laughs) and you can't run away from difficult things anymore right you have to face it and I'm not referring to suppressing it and just saying you know you know she'd be all right mate and it's all good and whatever it's really (laughs) about which is very typical, isn't it? It's yes, more just, I've heard that so many times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's more just um, really being, making space. I love that concept of making space, making space for what's showing up, right? Even um, in pain reprocessing therapy, um, which is based on Alan Gordon's work, a lot of it goes back to the teachings um, you know, of Eastern teachings and Buddhism and so on, mm. you know, mindfulness. None of this stuff is new. I don't think mm. any, any practitioner has developed or created anything new. They've just made it their own and they've just put it together in a different way. But it's all the same thing. As you sit with discomfort, what happens is that eventually, I mean, initially the pain 
gets louder, right? It just heightens. Mm -hmm. But then as you continue to sit with it, as you continue to breathe and find safety within the body, which is what we do in the session, then what happens is your brain goes, oh, okay, there's nothing to worry about. It's all good. I can be with this. I've, you know, I can feel safe in my body despite this discomfort. And I say this to my clients often, I want you to repeat to yourself every day, it's safe for me to feel this. It's safe for me to be with this. It's safe for me to relax into this repeatedly, you know, sometimes up to 400 times a day, just say that to yourself, because God knows we have, uh, I don't know, up to 1000, uh, thousand times a day, think about thoughts that are the opposite, right? So, yes. So it's really about reminding your mind and your brain and that conditioning that I can do hard things, this is okay, I can be with this, and I will actually, instead of running away from it, I will make space for it. I will sit with it, breathe into it. And that's what maturity is all about, right? And often, um, I would say the majority of the times, those faulty pain signals start to reduce. They slow down. Yeah. And there are times, you know, when, yes, you might have to live with a condition for the rest of your life, right? Sometimes it comes back because you haven't taken care of yourself. You've been too stressed. Maybe you you are um, falling back into old patterns again. You're people pleasing again. You know, you're not really honoring yourself again. The body is always speaking to us. So when it does come back, that's a wonderful thing. That's a great thing because it's actually showing you what's going on for you internally. So I say even embrace that. Yeah, I often talk about how this is it's really just the human condition, all of these kind of mind-body symptoms. And it's just, it is your body communicating with you. It's your body telling you something. And it's kind of like, it is a lifelong journey in working mm-hmm. with your body, in getting to know your body. And I guess, as you were talking about before, stripping away the conditioning to become more authentic, to know yourself better. Yes, exactly. And this is hard because, you know, children need mirroring and echoing. And um, these things come from those primary caregivers. And so mirroring means that someone is there for them and reflects to them um, who they really are at any given moment, right? Mm. And for most of us in those, you know, initial years of our lives, Um, we needed to be admired and taken seriously and loved and noticed and seen and heard, right? And yet often the traditional parenting style has been based on just meeting the physical needs of the child, but not the emotional needs. So if you're angry, you need to stop being angry, right? Yeah. If you're crying, you need to stop crying. Um, The kind of traditional discipline is go and sit in your room by yourself. Yeah, and I don't have time for you to be the way you are right now. I don't have time for you to be who you are in this moment. I can't stand it because it triggers me to have to deal with your crying or your yelling or your tantrum, right? And it doesn't mean that you give children exactly what they need and whatever they want, right? It's not about that, but it's about kind of going, well, um, it ideally, I know it's hard to be a parent and I'm by no means saying that 
you have to be this way all the time or that you're a horrible parent if you're not this way inclined, but just practicing as a parent to go, if the child is yelling or screaming or is angry, you can just acknowledge them, say, I can see that you're angry. Yeah. And it's natural to be angry when you don't get what you want, but you're still not getting this thing that you want, right? So I'm just going to sit with you until you feel better. And then we'll go and do something else, right? So you're kind of normalizing to the child that their feelings are okay and normal and it's all right to be angry. Or, yeah, it's very distressing and upsetting when you don't get what you want, when you don't get to be on your iPad, when you don't get... So so the child learns that, oh, this reaction is normal. Mm. I find that sort of communication, this reminds me of the book, um, The Whole Brain Child as well, um, which I read, which I've read recently, which I thought was really good. Um, But I find that sort of communication works even with adults as well to like validate their feelings when you go, I can see you're angry. And often just really just like calms people down. I think whether you're talking to adults or children. Yeah, because most adults are still operating as children, right? They haven't, their emotional Mm. psyche hasn't fully matured. Yes. Oh, Yeah. And the thing is that um, we all want to be accepted for the way we are, for who we are. Yeah. What is the biggest act of love? And having these mirroring needs met um, results in what this brilliant author, Alice Miller, calls our basic narcissistic supplies. So these supplies, they result from good mirroring by a parent and good boundaries. When this is the case, she says that um, in the, there's a book she has written called The Drama of the Gifted Child. Mm -hmm. When this happens, the following dynamics take place. So the child's aggressive impulses are neutralized, right? because they don't threaten the parent. And the second thing that happens is that the child's, you know, striving for autonomy is not experienced as a threat to the parent either. Because often parents want to control. Human beings want to control, right? And the reason that we want to control everything, and I see this a lot in people with mind-body issues, is that there is a fear of being vulnerable. Yeah. And why? Why is that? Because to be vulnerable opens you up to being ashamed. Right? Mm. Opens you up to feeling weak, which in turn means that you get shamed. Yeah. I think for me, like before I did this work as well, there was always this underlying feeling that I wasn't good enough. And to be vulnerable would mean people would figure out that I wasn't good enough. That was sort of how I always felt about things. I felt the same way. Yeah. Um, not being good enough and then projecting that onto relationships. Oh, and yeah. It's amazing how much self-sabotaging I used to do. Oh, gosh. I mean, I did that a lot, you know. Um, you're not enough. You're not good enough. You need to be the way I want you to be. And I find it concerning that, you know, even in today's world, especially in social media, there's these endless videos and coaches who are telling you what a healthy relationship is. And a lot of it is based on rejecting someone for not being a certain way for you, which I don't think is the answer either, right? Because it's like, you're not fully taking responsibility 
for sitting with grief, for sitting with disappointment, for sometimes having to accept that your partner is not going to meet all of your needs and be everything for you, which again comes from that inner child part, you know, the part that hasn't had all its needs met, that narcissistic part within us. You need to be how I want you to be so I feel safe when I'm with you. But safety has to be created from within. Within, Otherwise, you're always relying on someone on the outside to meet that for you. And that's a form of imprisonment. And I'm not suggesting that, you know, you shouldn't think about things like having similar values or similar um, whatever uh, things you want to experience or achieve in life. But often, especially today, there's a lot of this, you know, looking for that perfect person <laughs> yeah. who just completes you somehow and completely gets you. And it's like, how can that happen if you don't fully understand yourself yet, which most people haven't? I'm still getting to know myself, right? Yeah. You know, that relationship with someone else is just a mirror. That person is mirroring things back to you. They're showing you things. So if there's things you don't like, you need to look at, well, what's this revealing about me? What's this? Why is this triggering me, right? What is this showing me? Always bring it back to yourself. I find that to be a lot more empowering. And it certainly takes you away from that victim mentality. Yeah. And that's one of the kind of control, you know? That's one of the things I think about in parenting, because I always say your children mirror the worst parts of yourself back at you. And it's like, I only have a four month old, but that's something I look forward to is like kind of like being able to grow, you know, and like, yes, yes. And I find that another thing that's really important um, is being mindful and conscious of your values. Yeah. And this is where that, you know, relationship between your spiritual health which Mm -hmm. I believe is really um, I mean everyone defines spirituality differently for some people it has to do with the religion and for others it has to do with something else but for me personally spiritual connection and spiritual well-being is about my connection to myself and that connection that I have to life itself Mm. And that also comes down to values. Why do they matter? Well, values help us live the life that we want to live. They help us feel good about our choices and our actions, to be gentle with ourselves, to explore, you know, um, explore them further, right? And they change too as we evolve and shift. Our values grow and change through life. And this helps us better understand our deeper needs and sense of purpose. So I always encourage clients um, to explore what their values are. What's important for you right now? Because do you want to live your days based on your symptoms or your Mm -hmm. values? Because if you allow your symptoms to drive your life, you're going to wake up every day feeling miserable and feeling like, you're never going to get there, whatever, you know, wherever there wherever is, there, is. there means, right? Because there is no there, there's always now. But when you live according to your values, you go, okay, this is what I did um, when I had chronic vertigo. Every day waking up dizzy, I would just wake up and go, okay, today, 
what are my values? Well, not just today, but just the values I had at that point in my life. And I still actually have a lot of them, uh, still the same values. Well, for me, it's really important um, to experience connection. Okay, so what does connection mean to me? It means that I need to feel connected to myself and I need to feel connected to others and to life in general. I need to feel connected to my body. These, it's really important for me, the concept of connection in general. Mm. So if I'm to live by this value today, as opposed to by the symptoms I'm having, I need to do something that helps me connect to myself and to my body, which means that despite the symptom, I'm going to go for my walk. I'm going to, you know, do whatever it is that I want to do. If I want to do some art or if I want to, whatever it is I need to do, even as days when I had to work, I would still go through my work, right? Because it was important for me to connect with my clients. And then there's days when the symptoms are really loud and it's hard to connect to those values, but you can do it in a different way. So I would say, okay, today, um, it's really important for me to feel that sense of connection through just resting and giving into what's happening and feeling connected to myself and to life in a different way that's a bit more gentle mm. you know tuning into the needs that I have on that day that support the symptoms I was having as opposed to trying to get rid of them or being angry at them or you know being angry at my body why is this happening why is this happening you know just constantly increasing the resistance which just makes things worse because it just keeps you in that victim mindset right mm. and asking yourself okay what am I curious about you know what are the things that make me feel excited and fill me with vitality um you know what does it look like to live an authentic and meaningful life what would I be doing how who would I be spending my time with um what does it feel like when you know I have a good day um you know things that help you prepave your day prepave your life it's a little bit based on I mean a lot of it is um I guess based on neuroplasticity mm. and some of Dr. Joe Dispenza's work which not everybody can um, necessarily relate to I, I have I work with a lot of clients who struggle with his meditations and they struggle with some of the things he says but neuroplasticity is an actual thing right it's now been scientifically proven it's incredibly powerful every condition I've had in my body I have literally healed it um, through neuroplasticity <laughs> just using neuroplasticity which basically just means that you're using your brain to create um, intentionally create neural pathways on what it is that you want to experience and what it is that you want to feel because you can't stop a neural pathway you can only create and strengthen new ones right so let's say your current neural pathways are strengthened around this condition of pain in your body. So the only way that you're going to be able to overcome that or override that is by creating other neural pathways and focusing on strengthening those. And yes, it requires practice. It requires a commitment. It requires focus. But that's why you get a 
you know, a therapist or someone who, who works in this area to support you through this process. So you're not feeling like you're completely on your own in it. But neuroplasticity definitely works because your brain loses interest. It literally goes, oh, uh, we, don't, we don't want to focus on that anymore. All right. Okay. I'm bored. Let's focus on this thing. Mm. I mean, I'm exaggerating, right? But I'm just trying to highlight how powerful it is. It works. It really works. Yeah, it does. Like that's, yeah, I don't know. what You just said like a million amazing things right there. <laughs> so I don't really. Sorry, I was just thinking, Felicia, are you there? <laughs> you just you said like a million amazing things. I'm like, oh, I have like, wow. <laughs> that was just like, yeah. Oh, thank you. I was thinking, oh gosh, am I talking her head off? Are you, is she still there? <laughs> no, there was like a million times I was like, I might butt in, but I don't want to block your train of thought because that's like amazing. I love how you were talking about values and living by your values because I think a lot of the time people get in the state where they're in so much pain because they've ignored their own needs and values and wants and they're kind of living on autopilot. So yes. just like reflecting on like what is it that is a good life for me? How do I take care of like those yeah. things in the mess of everything? And look, initially it's hard. I totally get it. When when I started to develop and I've had all a lot of different conditions, but I'm going to mention vertigo again, because it was mm. such a powerful thing. Um, it really scared me, right? Because you lose a lot of control. But what I decided was, um, I don't want this, this symptom or this condition to run my life. So I started exercising, I started going to the gym, I started doing the things I love or running or being in nature or whatever I wanted to do, right? Things that um, were really scary for me to get back, back into again because of the symptoms. And then every time the symptoms would come on as I was doing something that I enjoyed doing, I would say to myself, it's okay, I'm going to let this be here. Yep, it's coming again. Ooh, I'm going to let myself go with this. Yep, it's here. Mm. Great. And I kept doing what I wanted to do. I and think, as I say, that's the key though, is to do it from a place of kind of just like acceptance. And because I was like, I'm never going to let this pain rule my life. And I was like, I would trudge on really hard, but it was from a place of resistance rather than like acceptance. And yeah. yes. And look, I get it. Sometimes it takes a while for us to get there because we're grieving, right? Mm. We're something um, that we feel lost I know when I was in bed um, I was bedridden for three months due to back pain and I thought that I was you know I was never going to have this sense of autonomy and freedom that I felt in my body prior to that incident but I started with little things I started doing tiny little um, 10 minute walks and then 10 minute jogs you know and teaching my brain and forcing my brain to kind of go hey no you're not in charge I'm in charge I'm telling you what to do and this is what we're doing but you're also doing it from a place of love and compassion which means that you don't force yourself through things that you're not fully ready for right you don't just go on a 30 minute run when you've been bedridden for three months because of pain so you might start with 10 minutes and that 10 minutes has to be enough which is what's the challenge for a lot of people is yes. that they have this nothing's enough and it's not good enough until I've, I don't know, run a bloody marathon. <laughs> that not, nothing that their body does 
or can do is enough because it has to be the way it was or I'm not going to accept it. And that conditional way of loving is not, it doesn't work. That's not the way, right? So we have to learn to become more unconditional about ourselves and our bodies and understand that, you know, there's different chapters that this body is going needs to go through or we need to go through. And it's okay. Every chapter has its gift. Every chapter has its treasures. And I need to be open to that as opposed to just staying on chapter two when there's a whole bunch, you know, I've got, let's say the book of my life is 30 chapters. And I'm just like, no, I just want to read chapter two. I want to keep reading chapter two again and then again, again, because chapter three is really bloody difficult. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't make sense, does it? Because you don't know what's going to come after this. Mm. And and it's also scary. The unknown is scary. Uncertainty is scary. If anything, that's one thing we have to learn to live with and make peace with is that life is uncertain. And that's what emotional maturity is about. Embracing and, uncertainty, right? Yeah, life is scary. Life is really scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we can't just stop living because it's scary, because there's also so many other amazing things to life. You know, it's unpredictable, but maybe if I just get through this chapter, there's an incredible, wonderful chapter after this one, that's a bit more enjoyable, mm. right? You can't, you can't stop, you have to keep going, you can't quit on yourself. And if you don't have those low moments, then the high moments don't feel like highs, like the lows are there for a reason. Exactly. And look, yeah, maybe your body's never going to be exactly the way it used to be when you were in your 20s or whatever, 30s or whatever. But it's not about comparison. It's all about love, how to return back to love, love for yourself, love for life, love for what's happened, love for what's happening, you know. And and that's that's not always easy to do. It's a journey. But this is what it means to face yourself. You have to face your shadow. And your shadow is the parts of yourself that are just not very pleasant. The parts of you that are jealous, envious, compare, you know, um, are resentful, judgmental. You got to embrace those. You got to face them. Otherwise, it will consume you. And that's what happens to a lot of people. They end up miserable in the end. Yeah. Something you said ages ago was something about why does this matter? And that's something I really learned to reflect on too. It's like in the end, you know, when I'm laying, laying on my deathbed, will I care about this? Mm. Probably not. And if the answer is no, then I, I let it go. Yeah. And that's been a skill, something I'm still working on. But I, I think a good practice is to, to sit and reflect. If someone was to write uh, an article about me, how would they describe me as a person? What do I stand for in the community? Mm. What do I stand for within my work and the people that are in my life? You know, just no judgment. Really be kind and gentle to yourself and just write. Um, it's an exploration, I guess, of yourself and your values. And if you get stuck and you go, I can't do this, I have no purpose, I'm not good enough, whatever it is, that's okay. Just put it aside and then come back to it and try again until you feel ready. Really get clear about the kind of person you want be you want to be in this life with or without symptoms because symptoms cannot be the the driver of your life. And I know it's easier said than done. I want to 
keep repeating that because I, I acknowledge how yes. bad and limiting and fearful and um just awful it is when you're in pain I have been there and I'm talking about excruciating pain right but something's got to give like you just you just have to start somewhere right I, and I've worked with people who are so attached to the pain and that victim mentality that comes with it that they just they prefer to be there than to move forward and that's again a choice yeah. right that's a choice we're making and you know I, I really believe that if you truly truly want to get better it's possible but it has to start from within the inner reflects the outer always life is a mirror and I've been through enough traumas and challenges myself to know that to be the case both for myself and uh, you know the hundreds of people that I continue to work with every day and thank you for doing that work Thank you so much for doing your work and helping us spread these incredible messages and, um, I guess, information and support that I'm sure a lot of people um, will benefit from. I hope so. I just like, no one's talking about this stuff. The conventional medicine doesn't talk about it. Like this so needs to be more common knowledge in our culture, I think, but um Anyway. Absolutely. I think if there's one thing I want to leave um, everyone with is um, the importance of understanding yourself, yeah. also understanding your nervous system, yeah. right? Um, I work a lot with the polyvagal theory um, with gratitude to Dr. Porges for his work um, on I the love that theory. theory. Yes. Because he says that, you know, we come into the world wired to connect, right? And so the autonomic nervous system is our personal surveillance system, always on guard, always asking the question of, is this safe? Am I safe? And its goal is to protect us by sensing safety and risk and listening moment to moment um, to what's happening in a, inside of us, around us. And so even when you have scary and fearful thoughts and repetitive, stressful thoughts, the brain doesn't know how to differentiate uh, the brain and the body between a perceived sense of danger and actual danger, right? So it's going to react and respond to that stressful thought as if it's actually happening. Yeah. And so it's really important to become aware of this autonomic nervous system and understand how to scan for cues of safety, right? Within our body. Um, and there's so much more I could say about the nervous system, but I, I don't want to babble on for too long, but it's just such an important part of how we experience our bodies and how we experience life. And it's not a rational thing. You know, it's uh, something that's deeply wired into the way that we are um, designed as human beings. You know, it's a survival thing. And when we're chronically in that dysregulated state, we become disconnected. You know, we disconnected from ourselves, from our awareness, because we constantly go into this protective state of collapse. We're just not 
present. We're not here in the moment. We're numb, frozen. We're in a fight. We're in a flight, right? Yeah, your body is harnessing all its resources for survival. Exactly. And this is so important. That's why a lot of people are quite reactive, right? Um, And then they go home and then, you know, due to the amount of cortisol that's in their bodies, which is the stress hormone, which again contributes to a lot of health issues, um, they just collapse on the couch, scroll on social media endlessly, binge watch Netflix, right? So we need to work with the nervous system. We need to educate our medical students about the nervous system. We need to learn about our bodies and let's understand what brings me back into a place of safety. And that's that's absolutely crucial because without that, it's hard to tap into the other stuff, such as you know spiritual well-being and and um, how that impacts the quality of our lives. Yeah, well said. Well said. Thank you. Uh, well, we're starting to run out of time, um, but yeah, I think there's so much still unsaid. To be honest. Um, You've been fantastic. You're so good at um, speaking about all of this stuff. Oh, so, thank you so much, Felicia. I appreciate the time and I appreciate the space. Well, I just have a few concluding questions for you Sure. that I ask all my listeners. So the first one is, well, how can listeners get in contact with you if they want to work with you or find out more? So um, they can go to um, a website called mentalawakening.com.au. And um, all my information is on there Um, and they can just send an email and my administrator will respond as soon as she can (laughs) once that email has come through, if they want to work with me or they can give us a call. And um, I also see clients all over the country. Um, So there is no restriction in terms of where you're located um, as such. So yeah, that's pretty Mm -hmm. much Perfect. Um, and I'll put that link in the show notes. And then my next question is, what are your top three um, kind of resources? So I'm talking about like, I don't know, books or videos or like anything like that, that you would recommend to listeners? Do you have a top three um, in this yes. space? Yes, I do. One of the books I recommend to all of my clients, and we actually work with some of the um, topics in the book, because it's just you know, it's just so well put um, and uh, been put together in a great way. It's based on a lot of other people's work like Gabor Mate and Vessel and you name it, um, is How to Do the Work by Nicola Perra. So How to Do the Work. Yeah. And it's become an international bestseller. And she talks a lot about her own experiences with trauma and working as a psychologist and just explain some of those basic concepts that I go through with all of my clients, you know, the inner child, the trauma body, the trauma bond, um, you know, different parenting styles that are universal and have been unhelpful, the um, inner child archetypes, she talks about um, reparenting process, and all of the things that I've learned as well as a therapist, both, um, you know, for myself and what I do with clients. And I find that it just gives a really good foundation of those concepts. So that's one book I highly recommend. 
Um, the other one is the Mind Body Prescription by Dr. Sano. Mm -hmm. I find that his books are great in just understanding mind body, even though um, he doesn't necessarily talk as much about the nervous system because he didn't have as much insight into it, perhaps. I'm not sure, but he just hasn't mentioned it as much. So his um, books are all great. Same with Dr. Howard Schubiner. Love his books. And um, I think the Curable app, most people who have chronic pain have heard of it. I think Curable app is great because it just gives you daily prompts and things you can work with. And the I personally... The pain education in that app is pretty good too. Yeah, exactly. Yep, yep, yep. And I personally really love The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle just as a way to calm the mind because um, I find that a lot of times there is this urgency to just get to recovery and get better and that's understandable but we need to pace ourselves because this stuff is happening for a reason and you have to allow yourself to be in the journey so really the teachings of Eckhart Tolle and the power of now and embracing the concept of presence um, I find to be very powerful and of course you also have one of my favorite, Dr. Gabor Mate. His videos on YouTube um, can be very helpful for people. I like um, Gabor Mate. One of the things, because I recently read his book. Oh, what's the new one he has out that he released not long ago? Oh, um, The Myth of Normal. Yeah, The Myth of Normal. And in the introduction, he talks about how trauma is the waters we swim in. We're all kind of living in trauma. Yes, we are, we're all traumatized, period. Yeah. Yes. Like it's, that is normal. Because <laughs> trauma is not just things, you know, trauma with a capital T, such as, you know, those, yes. um, I guess, really horrible incidents that happen to people. Um, it's also relational what we call relational trauma which is that lack of emotional attunement that lack of emotional availability and presence that the majority of us haven't experienced mm -hmm. that the majority of us don't even understand and know you know what it looks like and what it means and that's what creates safety that's what actually teaches a child to feel safe from within I can be present with you. I can sit here with you as you are exactly how you are, whether you're sad, mad, happy, whatever. And I can just make space for that. That's emotional availability. Yeah. I'm not going to shame you for what you feel. Because yeah. it's the shame. It's what gets internalized that, you know, contributes to all kinds of um, limiting beliefs and it gets internalized, basically. Yes, and as a child, you're so vulnerable to all of those things. Okay, yeah. so lucky yeah. last, um, if you could give listeners any advice, so last piece of parting advice in relation to healing, um, what would it be? So your last little. The last thing I would say is it's so important to find someone that you can work with. It's hard to do this stuff on our own. Finding someone that you feel that you uh, are comfortable with and who understands the nature of this work and whom you can build trust with, um, I think is crucial. Because often when we're feeling like we're alone in things, it can just feel so much bigger 
and it can feel really overwhelming. Whether you're working with a group of people or you're working with one person, um, just having that ongoing support is really important. Yeah. And not to give up, you know, because this is not a matter of, oh, I'm just going to have a couple of sessions with someone and then I'm just going to get better. It's you learn tools, you get, you know, tools and strategies and stuff. But the work is constant, whether you work with a professional or not, the work with yourself the work um, on yourself is constant. It's for life. And it doesn't mean that you need to reach perfection or that you're not good enough. I'm referring to that level of, you know, understanding and awareness and making time to connect with yourself. That's what I mean when I'm talking about the work. Mm. That's for life. Yeah, it is. It is. It's, it's That's the human condition. <laughs> <laughs> that's our liberation, right? That's our liberation. It is making space making time to be connected to feel connected to yourself to understand yourself yeah to, to live from the kind of authentic self rather than all of society's conditioning is that's right and authentic self i just want to clarify does not mean that i will say whatever i want to say whenever i want to say it so it's not about rebellion I just yes. want to clarify because some people think I'm being authentic. I'm being myself finally. And they're very rebellious. And it's like, no, you're not. You've just gone to the other extreme. The other extreme. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what that is. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. This has been amazing. Um, I'm just going to stop the recording now. Okay. Thanks, Felicia. <laughs>